0: Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. I I want us to look at that word... um believed as those who believed; these were the believers that's why they were how they were first identified is those who believed what they were hearing they believed the message of Jesus I'm not normally not one to go like study the Greek and things out but I actually wanted to do this for a reason that word believe uh, in the Greek is the word and I'm gonna do my best here peace t peace t and um so that's that's what that word is now why is that important Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16. It says in verse seven, now, now this is Jesus. I shared this with our priest in our pre-service meeting. In Mark, in Mark 16, this is Jesus' last statement to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. So these are literally the last words that he spoke on this planet, uh, at least at this, time, at this time. He said, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, that word believe right there is the exact same word that we just read, "peace that, that, that's the exact same word that it said, in, we read in Acts chapter two, those who believed. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, why is this important? Well, Jesus, in Mark chapter 16, Mark 16 comes before Acts two. So Acts two, you start to see what Jesus prophesied in Mark 16. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus is prophesying to the disciples and saying this, this is how you'll know your ministry is effective. This is how you'll know if people are truly receiving the gospel. This is how you'll actually know if they're receiving me. These signs will follow the believers. These signs don't just follow the life of a pastor. These signs don't just follow the life of, of, of an apostle. I heard someone say this the other day, and, 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 I, and I think in part it can be true. Uh, we, we, we were talking about apostles and are there, are there apostles today, and there was some conversation. This one particular pastor, he said, you know, I, just, I would be super care, careful kept calling myself an apostle because apostles are supposed to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, Well, I propose that believers, according to scriptures, believers are supposed to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. The apostles just went first. The apostles were the first believers. But if you'll notice, Jesus said, these signs shall follow the believers, not just the apostles. The believers, he who believes. Uh, I'm trying to set the groundwork because I want you to understand, I think many many of you in here already know this, But I want us to understand before we leave today that the responsibility of ministry, and we'll just call these things ministry, the responsibility of ministry falls on every believer. Every single believer. In Ephesians 4, there are the, there's the file fold office, there's these, these ministry gifts, but if you'll notice, those gifts were given to equip the saints, the believers, for the work of the ministry. Why? Because we are all supposed to take the responsibility of ministry personally. We are supposed to take this personally. Now, I'll, here's why I set all this up, because I wanna go back to Mark 16, and then I'll share with you what the Lord, the vision the Lord gave me, and why I think it's important for today. Back to Mark 16, now let's read the previous three, four verses before what we just read. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief. So he's, the, 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 he had been reappearing in different ways. In fact, he even says, and I was reading this, I thought this was interesting. He was reappearing, but he was also reappearing in different forms. He wasn't just showing up the same way to everyone. He was reappearing in different forms. That's pretty interesting. But he says he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, now, we know this. This is one of the simplest, most this is like this is like Sunday school 101. We know that what we're about to read is the Great Commission. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Great Commission. Every single, pretty much every single person here, we've heard the Great Commission. But hear it in the context of he's he's teaching the disciples how to be, be one, be believers. First of all, he rebuked their unbelief. He's like, wait a minute, why why are we not doing the thing I've told you to do, which is believe? <laughs> Believers believe, disciples believe, apostles believe. But then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So he's, he's, he's talking to these disciples, he's talking to these apostles, and he's giving them their assignment, the great commission, the co-mission. We're gonna do this thing together. You're not going alone. You're going with me. You're going with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do this together. But I want you to preach the gospel. One, first be a believer. Then from the place of belief, preach the gospel. And then these signs will follow him who believes. So in other words, if you're doing this the right way, if people are receiving what they're supposed to be receiving, then they're going to start the cycle over. And then they will do signs, wonders, and miracles, then they too will preach the gospel and more people will come to believe. Do you see this? Now, we all know that this is the Great Commission, but here's the question. Are we even doing it? I did this in our, I did this in, and we won't, just so we don't embarrass the whole room because we all think in our own little private time got embarrassed, but I want you to metaphorically raise your hand if you've, ra- if you've led someone to the Lord in the last week, last month, the last year, ever. Now, now let that sink in for just a minute. I know this is a strong, a bit of a strong word, but I want you just to let that sink in for a minute. We know that this is the Great Commission. We know that this is what we're supposed to, believers are supposed to be doing this. But the question is, are we actually doing this? Are we actually doing it? I, um, not here, not, it's all, it's all quiet in here now. Everybody's sad. Some <laughs> um, here's why this is important to me. Um, I, uh, c- a couple of months ago, I was preaching in Midland and, uh, we came to time for the end of the service, and if, you're a part, if you've been a part of the American church, you know our rhythm. You know what we do, and we, we sing some songs. We preach a good message, and then it comes to the end of the service where pretty much every pastor on the planet says, if you would close your eyes and bow your head. We're going to get everyone in, everyone in here a moment to receive the Lord for the first time if you've never received the Lord. So we were doing the thing, and... Um, I I did the first service. I think one or two people got saved. Second second service, there was only a couple hundred people in the second service. Uh, No one got saved. And to be quite honest with you, for the first time in a while, it just ticked me off. I was like, why are people not getting saved? Like, this is not... Something's not right, something's not working. We're supposed to be seeing people get saved. And even a couple of months before that, I had talked to the church about this. I said, hey, invite people to church, invite people to church. And so uh, I, I wanna see people say, invite your, un, your unsaved friends to church. I was frustrated because it wasn't happening. Uh, I got done with the second service, I got in my truck and I was driving towards a restaurant to eat that night. And all of a sudden I had a vision in my mind and the vision and I immediately knew this was from the Lord and this vision I was standing up and I knew that this was the time of the service when I was supposed to be telling everyone to close your eyes and bow your head and I was going to give everyone in the room an opportunity to receive Jesus for the first time but what happened in the vision when as soon as soon as I stood forward in that moment I said okay now uh, it's, time, it's time for a salvation call, church. Uh, raise your hand if you led someone to the Lord this week and how many it was so the church can celebrate what we've done, what we've done this week. And immediately I knew exactly what the Lord was saying. I immediately knew that the Lord was saying, it's time to break this thing off where we think that our job as believers is to just invite people to church so that the leaders of the church and the church can do what the church is supposed to do. I propose it's time for the church to do what the church is supposed to do. No, like, actually do it. No, like, actually, actually do it. So simple. But, man, I tell you what, I was talking to my pastor on the phone the other day, and he just, he was level 10 jacked, and he, I was like, man, what's going on? He said, man... I, uh, I just led, there's a, there was a worker at my house doing some yard work, and I just walked up to him and led him to the Lord, and I'm on level 10. It's just been a long time since I felt that fire of just randomly going out and leading someone to the Lord. It should not be the case that that is rare in our life. It shouldn't be the case. Uh, now, I want to share with you, uh, there was a uh, a couple months ago, another couple months ago, I had a friend of mine who had come to see the the, the church. I, did Shane come here? Did, was he at the? I don't think he came here. Shane Mandel, he's a he's a friend of ours from Bethel Church in Redding, California. He's the head of all the alumni in, there in Redding. And um, Shane told me, he said, "Hey, I have a word for you." He said, it's, "It's it's specific to the Lubbock church, but I know that the Lubbock church is there's some things happening here at this campus that even though it's the newest and so, and the smallest." Uh, that there's the Lord's building the prototype here in Lubbock. And so uh, he said, I think this is specifically for Lubbock. He said, but you're not going to grow that church by transfer growth. You're gonna grow that church by salvations. And we had up to that point. In fact, I would propose probably a lot of you in here are transferred, you, uh, some of you in here. And, and I'm all for this, but that's why I think you're here. I think you're here to help build the foundation for what we're called to do um, Many of you in here have been praying for, for this church to show up. I've, I've talked to you. I know you've been praying for this. And so uh, you, you would you would look at this, this church and other things that are happening in the city right now. I'm not saying we're the only ones involved in this. But there is genuinely a move of God happening here in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, it's, you can hear the rumblings and the mumblings, and some people you hear some of the old timers saying, "I've been praying for this for 20 years. I've been believing God for this for 20 years, and you being here represents you believing with us that this is what you, this is what this is." And so, uh, but Shane said, "I, I think that you're going to build that church and love it through salvations." And um, again, it seems so simple, uh, but so so profound. I want to read to you James chapter one, just to. Since you're all so excited, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and read this. James chapter one, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Keyword here, receive with meekness the implanted word. I genuinely believe that this is the word of the Lord for our church, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. I personally, that convicts the heck out of me especially as it pertains to reaching the lost. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice he changes it from being a doer of the word to a doer of the work. Turn to your neighbor and say, do work, son. I was gonna read an Urban Dictionary definition of do work some, but I'm I'm gonna refrain. Doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So what I'm gonna do now is like, that's the word of the Lord. I want us to be a church that responds to the word of the Lord, that we do it. Now remind, let's all remind ourselves, this is not a new word. This is like a reword. This is like, he's saying it again it has always been the word of the Lord for believers to reach the lost. And so um, I I want us to respond to this, but I actually want us to, I I just felt like the Lord gave me just, I think there's nine of them, nine different things, just little little one-liner statements that I think will help us become a people who reach the lost. Number one, look for the lost. You can't reach the lost if you're not looking for them. And here here's here's what I think is unfortunate about this season is in this season, when, you're, when you go through tough times, when you go through difficult seasons, when, I mean, and that's what we've all, I don't care. Every, COVID, this last, this last year, year and a half, it has f- affected all of us in some way, shape or form. And not just COVID, you've got the political climate, you've got the racial tension, you've got the economy, you've got the, the, the spiritual climate, even with churches shutting down and some having to go online and there, there's so much happening. And one of the things that happens is when you're in a season of, uh, uh, of pressure, uh, uh, of pressing, of squeezing, and you don't, things are not normal, you don't have as much margin in your life. And when you don't have as much margin in your life, you use what margin you have on yourself. You use that to self-sustain. And I would say in some way, shape, or form, all of us have been in some ways, at least to a degree, in a bit of a self-sustaining mode, keeping our businesses running, trying to, keep our, trying to keep ourselves sane while we're doing virtual learning. Come on, somebody. What is that? Please take our kids back. And um, so, what, so, what, so in this season where so much has shifted and changed and there's less pressure, we begin to look at us to try to keep us alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you look up one day and you realize, man, I've just been focused on me for a long time now. I've been, I've, I've been looking at me. I've been trying to get my church back up and running. I've been trying to get my business back up and running. I've been trying to take care of my kids. We've, we, we look this way. And I, I propose to you that the first thing that we need to do in order to reach the lost is we actually need to see them. So, Example. When you go to a restaurant, just be mindful that you're not just there to have a conversation with who you're there at the restaurant with. You are on mission. Simple little things. You are on mission. You are on mission with the, with the waitress, the, the hostess, the person at the table next door. You are on mission. Just take your eyes off of the mirror that you've been looking at in your own life. And again, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do in seasons like this. But if we're not careful, we'll stay in a perpetual seizing of looking at us. And I just say, hey, why don't don't you just start looking? You want to reach the lost? You want to have impact with the lost? Just start looking, seeing where they're at. Second thing is don't complicate salvation. Don't complicate it. Romans chapter 10, verse 5, this is like the the most famous scripture. You got to have this scripture down in your heart. Starting in verse 5, it says, for Moses writes that, that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Excuse me, in fact it says, the message is very close at hand, it's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and is openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. Verse 13, if you don't know any other Bible verse, know this one For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not complicated, it's significant, but it is not complicated. Have, that, have the simplicity of, hey, man, are you, uh, have you ever asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Pretty simple. The Bible says if you call on him, he'll, you're, you're good. And use language that they'll understand. Don't walk up to him and say, art thou saved? <laughs> Havest thou the Lord Jesus Christ in thy heart? Don't do that. <laughs> Just stop it. Again, don't overcomplicate it. Sometimes the enemy keeps us from moving by making what we're called to do seem complicated. It's simple. Hey, you know Jesus? You should call on him. He'll save you. That's that simple. So don't overcomplicate it. I got a lot of of these to cover, so I'm I'm gonna fast forward through this. Number three, don't underestimate yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. You do not need a degree from seminary to lead someone to the Lord. Let me tell you what else you don't need. You don't need some crazy story about how you were selling drugs and killing people and El Chapo's right hand guy and, and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord showed up in the middle of the night and picked you up off the bed and shook you and said, you're gonna serve Jesus and you repented and cried and snotted all over the, and then you just left. You don't need that story either. Now some of you have that story. <laughs> And it's a good one. And I appreciate your story. But don't underestimate yourself. If that's one, of the, that's one of the tactics of the enemy. He tries to make you seem small in your mind. Remember the spies that went over? He says, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. How did, you, how did they know that? How did you know that we look like grasshoppers to them? The enemy convinced them that they were small in their mind. Who knows what the giants were actually seeing? But the enemy convinced them that this is what they're thinking. So don't, under, don't underestimate yourself. I remember when Leah and I were first dating, uh, she, uh, she went to the jail, jail for the first time to do jail ministry. And I remember, this is not good leadership, so just hear my heart. Uh, I, I remember telling her, I was like, what in the world are you gonna tell those ladies in the jail? You have no idea. If you know Leah, I mean, like Marsha Brady saved at six months old, I mean, just the purest little angel you've ever met, never done anything wrong. And, and so I, I was like, so you're going to go into the jail and minister to these people again, terrible leadership. Um, and, and she goes, no, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so when she got done, she said, um, I said, she gets back and I said, <laughs> I said, how did it go? And she goes, I just lied to him. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Do you lie? She goes, I just panicked. I got out there and I realized I have no idea where they came from. And so I just lied. I was like, you can't do that. She goes, well, she go, I said, well, what did you say? And she goes, well, I said, look, ladies, I've been right where you're at. I've been through the fire. I'm like, <laughs> but I think sometimes we think we need one or the other. Either we have to be so saved that we know it all, or we had to have been so lost that, man, our story will just blow your mind. No, don't underestimate yourself. I, 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 there's, i'm thinking of a, a particular story a pastor told one time where he said he said my story and my wife's story was completely different he came from sin he came from some stuff but one of the things that he noticed is that his wife actually carried breakthrough for people who had lived a good life and when you've lived a good life it's easy to fall over into works and self-righteousness and some of you say man i've actually done pretty good you know what then lose yourself, not in what you've done and how you've lived a pretty good life, lose yourself in that that, even in your good life, you weren't good enough. Then tell that story to the other ones that have that issue. You don't need some crazy significance. They're all significant. That's a better way to say it. They're all significant, so don't underestimate yourself. Number four, I'm probably gonna preach on this every single time I ever preach, ever, just because of how important this is, but overcome the fear of man. I don't think there's anything more significant, more something that holds us back more than just simply the fear of man. Um, Let me just say this, and then we'll move on. Fear of man is not going to just disappear someday. Fear of man must be overcome. You're not just gonna randomly wake up one day and say, oh my gosh, I have no fear of man. I, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. No, you're gonna be required to do some things by the unction of the Holy Spirit to break that off of you. You have to overcome fear of man. What do I mean by overcome fear of man? You're not gonna ever go up to a stranger. Well, most of us are, for the first time ever, are not gonna be able to randomly go up to a stranger with no nerves and say, hey, I know I don't know you, but the Lord gave me your last four digits, your social security number, and it's this, 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 and this, and this, and he wants you to get saved. Of course, now, if you can do that, you should be up here teaching this message, but... um, No, the biggest issue in, in that is it's the fear of man and the fear of stepping out, saying something, doing something, and that voice in your head says, what if you missed it? What if they do this? What if they don't receive it? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And the paralysis of what somebody thinks about me stops me from doing the thing I was born to do and the assignment that came from him. It is, it is probably the most, one of the most significant journeys that we will all go through. And, and you, Keith, you said it perfectly uh, early on. It's dying to self. You're not gonna wake up one day and have fear of man conquered. It's not like, man, I, I did it. I finally got it done. No, you'll, you'll conquer fear of man to a degree and then the Lord says, okay, let's go another step. Let's take another step. And it, it's gonna happen by saying, you know what? Uh, I was talking to Dan uh, not too long ago, and he said he was on a trip to, uh, uh, I think it was Florida. And he's like, yeah, and I knew it. I knew as soon as I got on the airplane that the Lord was gonna make me get up in the airplane and stand up in the aisle of the airplane and ask everyone to receive Jesus. And so he was just, the whole flight, he couldn't even focus. He couldn't even just sit there calm. And sure enough, somebody sent me the video of Dan in the airplane, standing in the middle aisle, and he's just telling the whole airplane, you need to receive Jesus. (laughs) and, and, And I've talked to him about this. He didn't want to do that. Can we just be honest? No one wants to do that. It's, it, it's weird. It's awkward. There's the butterflies. What is that? What, that emotion that's going on inside of you, what is that? It is the fear of man. And if we we'll all be honest, it's probably one of the most paralyzing emotions and feelings that we ever encounter. First time you lay hands on the sick or are you like, man, someone says, hey, will you pray for me? You're like, eh. <laughs> Continue to overcome the fear, man. Number five. Um, oh, increase in sensitivity to the spirit. Here's why. You, here's why part of our assignment is to increase in sensitivity because the Holy Spirit's always looking for the lost. He's always moving towards the lost. So if I will increase my sensitivity to him speaking in my life, and how do I increase the sensitivity to him speaking? Get rid of all the other noise. Get rid of the flesh, the flesh being louder than the spirit. Increase in sensitivity to the spirit so that when you do walk into a restaurant and the Holy Spirit says, hey, see that person back there in the blue shirt? You actually hear that. Because he's always working. And he always knows who's prime, who's ripe, who's ready. And he, what he, what he, what he The holy spirit's not short on people who need to get saved he's short on people that'll work with him we just have to increase in our sensitivity where we're listening when he says hey that person there they're ready increase in sensitivity Uh, number six identify your influence identify your influence every single one of us have a um, have a place where we have more influence than we do in other places now I wanna start with something simple. Especially, I, I just felt strongly I was supposed to say this thing. Men, men in here who have kids, if you have young kids, your challenge needs to be that you are the one that leads them to the Lord. Now, if, you, if, if the time's coming on, don't worry about that. I'm just, here's why I'm saying this. You have, as, a, as the husband of the home, You have a sphere of influence. You have a child that's ready to receive anything daddy says. I remember getting to lead my oldest daughter to the Lord. And I remember what it did for Leanne. Leanne's like, what? You beat me to, you know? And I remember just driving to school one day and just was talking with Susanna and we were just talking about the Lord and talking about different things. And I said, hey, have you ever asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? She goes, what were you talking about? And I was like, well, first of all, I'm failing as a parent. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But I just began to talk to her. I was like, no, no, like, I don't. Have you ever asked him? Said, Lord, I want you to be in my heart." She goes, and you had to know Suzanne at this age. She was like, I actually don't think I've done that. You know, she's such a thinker. And I just remember trying to keep myself together as I um, led my daughter to the Lord. As a father of the home, I have influence. As fathers in our homes, we have influence. There's other areas that you have influence. The three, three greatest resources that we have is time, money, and influence. How are you spending your influence? Who are the people that look up to you that are listening to everything that you have? To, and maybe not because you're a Christian, maybe it's because you're the best at your job. Maybe, it's the, maybe you know you have an, a sphere of influence at work because you're the best at what you do. And you know that there are people at your job site that are looking to you and it has, they think it has nothing to do with God. Use your influence, identify your influence and let your influence build your courage to overcome fear of man, to introduce people to Jesus. Cruise past, cruise into these next three. Oh, here's a good one. Embrace covert evangelism embrace covert evangelism, overt and covert. Overt is what Dan did in the airplane. Everybody, I'm interrupting your, your, your day here to ask you to receive Jesus for the first time. So that is very in your face evangelism. And I think that's the one that scares us the most. And I also think that's the one the enemy convinces us is the only way to do it. But what I want you to do is I want you to embrace covert evangelism, which means this, just start by being kind to people. Start by being good to people. Tell a really cool story that our staff's been celebrating for a while. Uh, we, um, when we started Sunday night services in Midland, we started going to this one restaurant there in Midland, and we kept getting this one waitress over and over and over again. And uh, so she, she, one day she was, I think Keith, you're with me when she first asked me. She's like, so, so who are you guys? You guys come in here. What what are you, what are you guys doing? And I see y'all in here every Sunday night same time. And uh, she, I said, well, we're actually pastors of a church. She's like, really? And she's like, you just don't strike me as a pastor. I was like, well, thanks. Um, <laughs> so spiritual. Um, so we, we kind of started a conversation and, and we just got to know the, the waitress. We were just good to her. We left good tips. We were kind. We've engaging engaged in conversation and, and different things like that. And, uh, and I said, you should, you should come check out our church sometime. Well, I'd love to. This is what she said the first time I talked to her about this. She goes, well, I'd, I'd love to, but I work on Sundays. Anybody ever gotten that one? you invite someone to church? Well, and they have, a, they have a good, really good reason why they can't come to church. And I said, okay, well, I said, well, what, what do you want? And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you want? I said, if, if, if the fact that you have to work is the only reason you're not coming to church, if you wanna to come to church, well, which, what do you want? Do you want a new job? Do you want better hours? And I'm gonna pray and the Lord's gonna do a miracle and he's gonna make this thing happen for you. And then she, you could tell it kind of stumped her a little bit. She's like, well, I don't know. I, I, I. And so again, this is weeks and weeks and weeks of this happening. So we finally said, she said, you know, I think I want... I have a job at a radio station where I'm a DJ on a radio station on a morning show. And so I do that in the mornings and then I have to come here and work nights to make ends meet. And honestly, what I'd really like is to get have enough going on here at the restaurant where I can work Monday through Friday and not be tired from my radio show. And, and I'd like to get rid of the radio show. And so I said, okay, great. Well, let's be, we'll, we'll be praying for God to open a door for that to happen. A couple of weeks go by, she goes, hey, I just want to throw this out there. She said, um, I know you guys are praying. And the reason I know you guys are praying for me is because, and we didn't know this part. She said, because um, my husband is, he's Hindu. Is it Hindu? Is Hindu or Buddhist or something? I think it was, I think it was Hindu. She goes, I, I know you have to be praying because a couple of weeks ago, my husband, who's Hindu, just randomly walked up to me and said, we're, we're going to start going to church. She goes, so somebody's praying. So I was like, oh my gosh. And so she, she begins to tell us this story about how on his, for the first time ever, her and her husband started going to this little church that they could go on Sunday mornings. And I said, man, that's great. And she said, but what I want you to do is I want you to pray. Um, I've, I've put a fleece before the Lord. And if I make enough in tips in this month, I think it was March was the month, wasn't it? You remember, was it March? Henry, you remember? Henry's been a part of this too. She said, if I make enough tips in the month of March to overcome my salary at the radio station, I'm gonna quit the radio station so that I can start going to church on a regular basis. And she said, I've been, st- I've been stalking y'all on Instagram. I think y'all are the kind of church we're looking for. I said, okay. And so of course, immediately I was like, I said, well, wh- how much do you need? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, how much do you need? How, m- how much money do you need in the month of March? I said, I want to know exactly what to pray for. And of course, secretly in the back of my mind, I was like, as soon as she tells me I'm fixing to write her a check, I'm going to fix this problem <laughs> And I think she said $3,200, $3,500, something like that. And right when, I, when she said that number, the Spirit of the Lord arrested me and he said, don't you write that check. He said, if you write a check for all of it, she won't see that I did it. She'll think you did it. So I was like, well, how much can I give? <laughs> so I asked him and he gave me a number. And what I didn't know this, that there was actually other people from our church that were doing the same thing, finding out how much she needed. And there's no telling how much she made in tips that week. So if you're a waitress here and you're believing and you want bigger tips, just tell the person, people you're, hey, I'm just believing God for a new job. <laughs> the story's getting long. All right, so um, a couple of weeks later, uh, we come in, this is uh, April, first week of April, we come in and I said, so? And she looked at me and she goes, you're not gonna believe this. I said, I bet I do. And she said, uh, so I way surpassed my my tip money for the month of March and I'm going next week to turn in my two-week notice. Please pray that it goes good. My boss at the radio station is not a very nice guy. And uh, so we ended up praying for that. And I wanna say it was that night when she's telling us this story, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith. That night, we're just celebrating. Oh my gosh, she's turning, turn turning her notice and all these things. She comes back over to our table and she goes, oh my gosh, guys, this is just getting crazy. She's like, you see that table over there? She's like, that's the owner of all of these restaurants. That one's the manager for this city. That one's the manager for this city. They all snuck in here tonight to meet with me. They just offered me the manager position at this restaurant. And again, I, I have, we have yet to preach the gospel, but we were the church. And we were just in there praying and believing for god to move in our life and next thing you know her hindu husband's coming you see that's that's very that's very covert it's just bringing the kingdom into their world and letting the kingdom do what only the kingdom can do and so don't think that you're not doing anything if let me say that differently embrace the idea that sometimes you're just there to prepare the soil I'm just working some soil. The time's gonna come when the seed will get planted and when it does, it will, because there's been a lot. And you know how some people are, they, they, need, a, they need a sharp plow. There's <laughs> some hard, hard ground. Be willing to covertly go in there and just love and love and be kind and to demonstrate generosity and covertly just bring the kingdom into their space until one day the moment happens when it's like, oh, you're not gonna believe this. you know, Or, or something crazy happens. You see where I'm going with that? I'm running out of time here. All right, uh, number, the, the, number eight. Practice the supernatural. Church bells going off, man. This, this, this service is getting spiritual, man. Uh, practice the supernatural. You know, I said, we read this, it says, These signs shall follow him who believes they'll lay hands on the sick they'll recover they'll 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 drink deadly stuff and it won't hurt them they'll pick up snakes they'll, uh, there's all this stuff in there and that sometimes freaks people out but let me just tell you you need to start practicing in in the supernatural you need to start exercising this gift. Why? John chapter four, verse 46. Jesus had come to Canaan for the second time. He actually said it was his second miracle. Uh, Jesus originally had turned water into wine there, but he came back and one of the city officials heard that he was coming. He goes up to Jesus and said, hey, will you heal my son? And in verse 48, he says, Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Now, if you go back and read the story, the man actually started believing just as Jesus was preaching. But then when he left, his son was healed. And because his son was healed, it says the whole household got saved. There are people that need to see signs, wonders, and miracles before they give their life to the Lord. They need to see that. So you know what they need? They need people that know how to do it. They, know how, they need to be around people. They need to see people who are courageous enough to go for the miracle. Go for the miracle. What if it doesn't work? You're not responsible for that part. Go for the miracle. Go for it. Exercise that. You need to start seeing, and I'm gonna say, what's gonna happen, you'll just start realizing, wait a minute, I'm starting to carry more and more authority. More and more authority. You'll start seeing more and more fruit. As the fruit increases, so will faith. You have to embrace a lifestyle of, of the miraculous, of the supernatural, because some people have to see signs and wonders before they'll give their life to the Last one, then we'll close. Super simple one. Just get to know Jesus. Just get to know Jesus. The closer you get to him, the more his heart rubs off on your heart. When you just get in his presence, spend time in his presence, spend time around him, spend time getting to know him, and what he desires will soon become what you desire. How he sees will become how you see. Matthew 9, verse 35 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Notice this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great and the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. This is how he thinks. As he was going, doing live, laying hands on the sick and seeing them, seeing, seeing them healed, it says he would see the crowds and he was moved. He had compassion on them. He hated the fact that those sheep did not have a shepherd. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Father. And the more time you spend with him, the more he starts to rub off on you, the more, the more even his own emotions about things. If it bothers him, it should bother us. If it, do, if, it do, if it bothers him and it doesn't bother us, we're not close enough to him. Just simply in, engaging in an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus will make you better at reaching the lost. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out RenewLifeChurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.